full disclosure, I'm recording this right now in a room that is, the temperature says 50 degrees. So if I look cold or I'm shaking or you hear my voice quivering, if you're listening to the podcast, that's why. Just wanted to let you know that. All right, let's jump into this. Have you ever heard the phrase, an eye for an eye? It's a very popular saying, so much so, it's used in novels, movies, and TV shows almost every single year. Uh, the phrase is popular because it speaks to a deep part of humanity about how the world kind of naturally works. But do you know where the phrase actually comes from? You see, some people think it was Chuck Norris because he started a movie back in 1981 called An Eye for an Eye. Now, some know it actually goes back further than that. Uh, maybe it came from Coretta Scott King, Dr. King's wife, when she said back in the 1960s, while talking about racial violence, the old law of an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind. Yeah, could be that. Some people say that that quote actually comes from Gandhi. But despite people's best efforts, there's no evidence that Gandhi ever other uttered the phrase or even a variation of it. But if we keep going back further and further and further, we can trace it all the way back to over 2,000 years ago when Jesus himself was quoting it. But here's the thing, Jesus was quoting it. He wasn't saying it for the first time. He was actually quoting an Old Testament passage of scripture that dates all the way back to the time of Moses from the book of Exodus, where God gives a bunch of rules and laws for the people of Israel to live by. This rule, this law, this phrase, has echoed through history because it really defines the human condition pretty well. So much so that it continues to be, in some form or another, a law that we live by. Getting even or getting what's fair. Our society, our society is obsessed with getting even. What's up, everybody? My name is Theo Davis. I'm the digital pastor here at Restore, and we're in the middle of a series called Unfiltered. We're walking through several teachings of Jesus that he gave while talking to a crowd of people on the side of a mountain. We call it the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, <clears throat> and 7. Jesus was teaching in a really unfiltered way. He was bringing up teachings from the pastors of his day, known as Pharisees, and other teachings found throughout Scripture. And Jesus was giving some really unfiltered commentary on some of these laws, rules, and passages of Scripture. Jesus was really shaking up the status quo to its core. So let's go ahead and jump into the words of Jesus for ourselves and see what he has to say and what we can learn from it. Let's jump into Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42. It says this, You have heard that the law says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, offer them your other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. 
Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. What Jesus taught here was incredibly radical, extreme, and even shocking. He was talking about a new measure of, uh, by which we can live. Jesus is saying, I am challenging the status quo of getting even. In this short passage, Jesus refers to a number of things that people in his day and age would have quickly understood. The part of this passage that I really want us to kind of anchor onto is this. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Now, to understand the gravity of this command Jesus is giving, you have to understand the context that Jesus is saying it in. You see, in the first century AD, the Roman Empire had expanded greatly. Here's a map of the Roman Empire during Jesus' time, because I really want you to understand just how powerful Rome was. They ruled over what would now be considered to be modern-day England, Wales, Spain, France, Italy, Portugal, Switzerland, Austria, Greece, Serbia, Hungary, Turkey, Morocco, Libya, Egypt, and yes, Israel, just to name a few. All throughout the Roman Empire, soldiers had special rights. They were the occupying army in these different regions, in these different countries. And with these rights, they really upset the locals in each country. For example, the people Jesus was speaking to would have been painfully familiar with the fact that if a Roman soldier asked you to carry his gear, you were obligated to carry it or risk imprisonment or something worse. Doesn't matter if you were a man, woman, or child, you just had to do what the Roman soldier said. Many people in the crowd likely had been forced to do this very thing. They would have had to drop everything and submit to this Roman soldier to the invader and carry his cross or carry his gear for one Roman mile. Now, what the people listening to Jesus, what they were probably thinking, what they probably wanted to hear was, it's time to get even. You know that occupying force, those people who have been oppressing us? When they ask you to carry his gear for a Roman mile, you lead them into the woods and you, you slay that. Like, that's probably what they wanted to hear. It was time to overthrow this unjust government. But, but Jesus, he, he wasn't wanting to get even. He actually wanted to do the opposite of getting even. He wanted to show us the power of grace and mercy. Therefore, can you imagine the gasp in the audience when Jesus says after you've carried it for a mile to go an extra mile? Yeah, that's where the phrase go the extra mile comes from. That was Jesus too. The second mile isn't just a place we go on special occasions. Jesus says it's the place Jesus wants us to live 24-7 every Sunday and more importantly, every Monday through Saturday. And here's the best part. You don't even need to be a Christian to apply this principle to your life and reap the benefits of it. If you're watching or listening today and you wouldn't identify as a Jesus follower, here's my challenge for you. Try out this principle that Jesus is talking to and see whether or not God shows up in your life over the course of the next month. 
I mean, think about it. You've got nothing to lose, but everything to gain if God is real and his principles are true. If you're a Christ follower, this could transform your relationships in, throughout your life. So the principle we need to, um, the principle is that we really need to move away from is living a life that is consumed with getting even and move toward a life that is all about a second mile lifestyle. I need to be a second mile man in my home, in my marriage, with my kids, at my church, with my vocation. So I know the big question that all of us are probably thinking and curious about right now is, well, okay, Theo, what does the second mile look like? Because at face value, it sounds like you're telling us that we need to let people just walk all over us. No, 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 that's not it. Let's spend the rest of our time together here today uh, talking about what it looks like to be a second mile person. So let's jump in with the first one. The second mile is unranked. The first mile is ranked. The second mile is unranked. <clears throat> what I mean by that is during the first mile, there's this clear power dynamic. Uh, there's a clear power structure in place. You've been ordered by a Roman soldier to carry his gear for one mile. If you refuse, there's a punishment that's coming your way. It's the parent-child relationship. It's the boss-employee relationship. It's someone with authority versus someone with no authority. And during that first mile, you have little to no influence. But during the second mile, you gain influence. During the first mile, your words carry little weight. But during the second mile, that you have volunteered of your own free will, that's when your words suddenly carry weight with the authority figure. In life, we tend to see relationships in terms of power dynamics, ranks, and such. If we're only doing the bare minimum, nothing changes. But it's when we begin to go the second mile is when we gain influence, when we start to be heard. During the first mile, it's soldier-servant. During the second mile, they start to get a little bit more on equal playing field. That's the first insight. The second insight I have for you is the second mile, or I'm sorry, that's the first insight. The second insight is this. The second mile is unguarded. It's unguarded. The first mile is often very guarded, but the second mile is where you let your guard down. In a world where everything is transactional, everything seems to be uh, at its own pace and ha you have to pay a price for everything, as a result, people tend to be very guarded. We're guarded because we don't want to be hurt. Again, we're guarded because we don't want to be taken advantage of. We're guarded because we want to protect ourselves in a world where the law is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But that's only the first mile. It's when you take a chance and you go the second mile that people are suddenly open to being unguarded. It happens in all types of relationships, work relationships, parent-child relationships, plutonic relationships, student-teacher relationships, romantic relationships. The first mile in all of these relationships is the level where you're pretty guarded. But at some point, there's an opportunity to go the second mile. Regardless if you're the soldier or the servant, we all can go the second mile. You, case in point, 
If you're a boss and you're in a meeting with someone and you're plugging away at all the different items that need to be discussed, uh, that's a first mile thing. The second mile thing would be when you bring up their family, when you ask about their kids by name, when you remember that their spouse had surgery a few months back and you wanted to check back in and see how they were doing. The second mile is writing a note of encouragement, thanking them for all their hard work in the company and specifically noting their contributions. The guards begin to come down. The second mile is unguarded. Uh, here's the third thing. The second mile is unexpected. What Jesus was saying was so unexpected. If someone slaps you on your right cheek, give them your left. Now, the American way is if someone slaps you on the right cheek, you ball your fist up and you start wailing on them, right? It's an election year, unfortunately, and we're going to hear political parties slapping each other from cheek to cheek to cheek over and over again. Retribution, getting even is the name of the game, not only in American politics, but politics around the world. Jesus is saying, no, do what is unexpected. The first mile is expected. The second mile is unexpected. If you go, if you rent a hotel, $300, $400, really nice hotel, you're not going to go into the room and go, oh my gosh, grab your phone, start taking pictures, sending it to your friends or posting on social media. Guys, you won't believe this. There's a bed. No, because a bed is expected. The unexpected thing is the handwritten note from a manager laying on your bed. It's how the staff remembers your name. It's the chocolates they've laid in the room for you. It's all the little touches that were not advertised, were not part of the contract. Those are the second mile things. They're unexpected. It's the unexpected things in our lives at home, with our kids, for your parents, with your spouse, while at church, at our jobs, when we encounter strangers in need, it's the unexpected things that people will remember. It's the unexpected things that change lives. Now, if you're a Christian here today, it's the unexpected things that people will remember with you as you're interacting with people throughout the world. If you're watching Restore Online for the very first time, you might be used to, maybe you're church shopping, and you might be used to people just filming um, like the live service and then posting it a few days after the fact, and you're just kind of like watching a window into uh, what the actual service is, and it's usually grainy, poor audio. My hope and my desire is that the fact that we are actually re-recording this message because the audio was messed up and I'm recording in a 50 degree room right now, but it's because we wanna give you a great um, experience. We want you to remember that we did all of this so that you could watch the message on a Sunday morning if you were traveling or maybe you're just visiting for the first time. We hope that this whole thing we're doing is a second mile thing. The second mile, man, it's unexpected. Here's the next thing. The second mile is unasked for. The scripture said, uh, and it's not going to be on the screen, but scripture says, if you are sued in court, uh, your shirt and your shirt is taken from you, 
give them your coat too. You see, the first mile can be asked for, but the second mile is unasked for. By definition, you cannot ask for the second mile because all you're getting then is the first mile. Like when you go to work, your employer can ask you to work for a certain number of hours, you've agreed to that, they can demand it of you because you, you've agreed to that, there's an exchange of money for labor, and they can demand all of that stuff, but they can't keep piling on and piling on and saying, I want you to go the extra mile, because then you're just doing the first mile. It's, it's expected of you. The second mile can only be given. Sometimes marriages get into trouble because both parties are expecting second mile things and they start outlining all the second mile things they want and they, they're, what they're doing is they're robbing each other of actually being able to give the second mile well. I assure you, if, if you keep going the second mile for your spouse, they will begin going the second mile for you. But you don't get to control what their second mile is because the second mile is unasked for. Next thing, the second mile is uncomplicated. Jesus said, you heard the law that says uh, a punishment must match the injury, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, listen, that's a complicated way of living. The Old Testament law said that. Now, imagine like if I were in a worship service and I'm worshiping God and, oh, it's a great song and we're jumping and we're bouncing up and down. I get kind of excited and like I'm flailing my arms about and I accidentally knock the tooth out of the guy next to me. According to this law, he gets to then knock my tooth out. So he, he gets in place and he starts ramping up. He gives me a punch. Oh, he knocks out two of my teeth. Well, I got to get even. So I punch him again. I knock out three of his teeth. Well, he's got to get even, and we go back and forth, back and forth, until both of us are missing all of our teeth. That sounds like a complicated way of living. But that's kind of how our society is in America today. We are all about getting even. This is why half the world is walking around half blind and with no teeth, because we're living an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The first mile is complicated, but the second mile is uncomplicated. The law lives on, or I'm sorry, the first mile lives based on the law. The second mile lives on grace. Choose to go the second mile and live in a way where grace rules over your actions. Don't let offenses creep up into your heart. Live a life full of grace for others when they intentionally or unintentionally hurt you. Live with simplicity of heart. Now, are there going to be issues if you live this way? Yes. Are there going to be toxic people who want to take advantage of your kindness? Yes. Are there going to be people who you need to keep really strict boundaries with because of this? Yes. Are there going to be people who offend you? Yes. The answer is yes to quite a few things. But here's the thing. Live bigger than all of that by the Spirit of God who lives in you. When you start following Jesus... God deposits his spirit inside of every believer and it empowers us to live this grace-filled life. Whenever you go, wherever you're at, whoever you know, we're going to be hurt. We're going to experience offenses. It will always be with us. So instead of getting even, 
go the second mile. Live a life full of the Spirit so we can live uncomplicated. The second mile is unthought of. The first mile is thought of. The second mile is unthought of. Jesus said, you've heard it say that the law says, and then he keeps going, basically saying like, hey, you've heard of this. You've thought of this. But then he continues and he says, but I say, but I say. It's a brand new thought, brand new idea. Pops up out of nowhere, it seems. He's saying something totally new. You see, there's no manual for the second mile. When you go to work somewhere, you go to school, there's usually a code of conduct, a staff manual, employee manual. That's not second mile manual. That's a first mile manual. The second mile has no manual. We write it as we live it. Every one of us has an opportunity to think of the unthought of. Now you might say, but Theo, I never have great ideas on how to love people really, really well. It never quite comes to me. If that's, what, if that's you, my question for you is, are you doing the first mile well? Because if you aren't finishing the first mile, you actually can't go the second mile. Sometimes my kids will point out something unexpected. Uh, my son, for example, will go, look, Dad, I cleared the table after dinner. And I'm looking around and I'm like, that's great, but you haven't done any of your chores that I've actually assigned to you yet. They've, they've skipped ahead of all the hard work. They do something unexpected and they, they expect to get like a little parade, right? But it doesn't work like that. You have to complete the first mile before you can go the second mile. Choose to go the first mile and you will think of the unthought of stuff when the second mile comes. Last thing is this, the second mile is unannounced. The first mile is announced. The second mile, unannounced. You know the difference between ordinary church communities and extraordinary church communities, homes, businesses, and so on? It's the number of people working behind the scenes. They're never seen, they're never on stage, they're never on a public platform, but they're doing things behind the scene that go the extra mile. I appreciate uh, my volunteer back there who will remain nameless for the sake of this recording, but they're also in here in 50 degree weather, freezing, uh, but they're doing all the things. I just wanna say thank you. There are trailer drivers for Park Hill that wake up at the crack of dawn, drive a trailer over, there's a setup team that comes that sets all the stuff up. We've got kids ministries and youth ministries at both of our campuses. We've got worship ministries. There's all these people doing stuff in the background that are often never really seen or acknowledged, but they're going the extra mile. They're going the second mile to serve you listening to my voice, watching this video. How can you go the second mile this week? I love that that Jesus, he was the ultimate second mile man when he was falsely accused and convicted unjustly and was sentenced to die. He started carrying his cross on his own, but he collapses about halfway there. And so what does the Roman soldiers do? They call this guy from the crowd, say, hey, carry his cross for one Roman mile to Golgotha, where Jesus was crucified. He does so. And Jesus is nailed to that cross and he hangs there. 
But he hangs there of his own free will. He could have, he was God. He could have come down from that cross at any point. He could have said, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore for this unselfish humanity. But he hangs there and he takes on the sins of the world for all mankind, past, present, and future. In fact, everyone in the past who made sacrifices to God, those animal sacrifices in the temple in the Jewish culture, they were all actually looking toward Jesus. And now that Jesus has passed, we're, we're looking back at Jesus to the single point in history where the sins of mankind is wiped out. Jesus went the extra mile. He could have just taught us some good stuff and let us keep doing the sacrifices. But he said, no, I don't, I don't want that anymore. I'm going to pay the ultimate price so that you can be reunited with God. So you can be free from your sins, so that the sins don't have to weigh you down. You can live free. I love that about our God. My hope for you guys today is that you will choose to live a second mile life the way Jesus is calling us to. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for every single person uh, listening to this message. Help us to be second mile people. Help us to make decisions to go the extra mile for our friends, our family, our loved ones, our enemies. God, next week we're going to be talking about enemies and revenge. But Lord, help us to not even try and get even anymore. Help us to be second mile people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.